welcome to the 2022 Look Back on LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and it's been another year of podcasting. I began my podcast, local podcast, in 2016, so we've uh, finished another year of podcasts talking to people in and around Fishers. So what I'd like to do is just take a few examples of some of the podcasts I've had. Cannot uh, highlight every single one. Every podcast was important in its own way. So I've tried to narrow it down to basically 10 podcasts, and two of them will be combined, as you'll see later. My first podcast is, and I'm going to take these in chronological order. Uh, This podcast was in uh, January late January of 2022, and it featured Bob Siegel of WTHR News and their investigative team. He had been looking into why the local school corporation, HSC Schools, had not disclosed a factual basis for the suspension of former football coach, varsity football coach Rick Wimmer. That dispute went on and on for years, ended up in the Indiana Supreme Court with the Supreme Court siding with WTHR, basically instructing HSC schools to provide the factual basis for that suspension. When I talked to Bob Siegel for a podcast, I, I asked him what he was thinking while watching the arguments in that Supreme Court case. I I I was sitting in the gallery. It was one of the first few weeks that they had opened the Supreme Court back up to be able to have uh, folks actually attend and 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 sit in the gallery, and um, I I was pinching myself because um, obviously Adam Marshall with Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, who who represented us and made the oral arguments, he he did a fantastic job. Um, but I, I figured this could be a, a challenge because keep in mind this is the the same Supreme Court with the same justices who not long ago had a chance to weigh in on another very um, public public access and public records case uh, with the ESPN versus Notre Dame case. Um, and in that case, they basically sided against transparency. They sided with Notre Dame and against ESPN in a fascinating case that actually I thought would go the other way. So this is a, a Supreme Court that had not too long ago um, issued an opinion which really uh, was detrimental to the access of public records in the state of Indiana. And so to hear the questions that they were asking, to hear the indignation in the voice of the justices as they were questioning um, the, the attorney for HSE, it was clear that they absolutely were not buying uh, the school district's position on this the idea that you can simply, uh, you know, when an employee, a public employee is suspended or demoted or fired, say, well, the reason that we did that, the factual basis for that was that they violated a rule. Um, well, of course they violated a rule. We all understand that. We all know that. And uh, the justices seemed uh, a little flabbergasted by some of the answers that they were getting from uh, from HSE. So, um, you know, Liberty Roberts, I, I thought she actually did a pretty decent job in trying to present the case on the school district's behalf. 
The problem is, is that, um, that you know, the, the argument from my perspective doesn't hold much weight. And I am grateful that the state Supreme Court recognized that as well and really decisively reversed the, the opinion from, from the trial court and from the Court of Appeal. My next podcast to highlight is that with Nataki Pettigrew. Now, Nataki Pettigrew uh, is the HSE point person for diversity, inclusion, and so forth. And uh, we talked a little bit about Black History Month and, and its importance. So I think it allows us to challenge our perceptions of black history. Um, We know that when we talk about race specifically, it strikes this emotional chord, right? And so when we think about the impact of black history, and I like to tell my own children, you know, it's accessible to you 365 days out of the year. Um, It's not just isolated to one month. Really, let's talk about the contributions all, all year long. But it helps unite us as a country to see who we are individually and how we have collectively made this country great. I think the challenge um, as as a parent, as a former English teacher, is that when you look in historical books or you look in textbooks, sometimes the great history that we that we know about in in the lived black experience is not articulated in that history book or some of the atrocities are not mentioned in the history book. So I give an example. Um, we wouldn't know about the Tulsa massacre, right? We're talking about, um, you know, hundreds of people, of black people that died. Um, and that's not really um, identified in history books. I, I've taken a look at different history books in different districts. And in some districts, it's a page. In some districts, it's a paragraph. and some, it's a couple of sentences. So this allows us an opportunity to be honest about history of black Americans and then to say, OK, now that we see what has happened, if there is, you know, if we're talking about the historical piece of it, then what can we do to ensure that our children or our grandchildren have a better um, future that allows us to be um, a little more connected than we were previously. In 2023, there will be work done on 146th Street at Allisonville Road. Spoke with a number of county officials on that project, and County Commissioner Mark Herbrandt talked about how that is a main thoroughfare in the long term is expected to connect Interstate 65 with Interstate 69. Well, I I think that our main goal is really um, to make this a major thoroughfare all the way from I-65 all the way to I-69. That was the vision um, that took place. There's been a lot of planning coordination. It was very political, but finally it took a lot of uh, bold leadership uh, to be able to make this happen because uh, what people don't remember is when I talk to people like Steve Dillinger, who's been a county commissioner for 32 years, and I ask him what's the most controversial project he's ever done. He said it was 146th Street, um, and that people filled the courtrooms. There was, you know, TV cameras everywhere. Um, but they had hired Hamilton County had hired Brian Vargas from IU to conduct a study to understand the public's thoughts um, on this project, and it was an overwhelming 87 percent believe the project should happen. And it did. And uh, can you imagine 146th Street, um, you know, not being completed? But this is to conduct a, a major thoroughfare from I-65 all the way to, 
to uh, I-69, and Boone County's got some um, uh, some some heavy lifting to do to get their their piece of it done. But we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to cut the ribbon uh, on the final piece out west to Boone County line last uh, last year. We did that, and that people don't realize what a major accomplishment that 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 is to be able to get that done. Um, and we were real pleased to be able to get that done. But to be able to get the traffic to move east to west quicker um, is really the goal intended for this. Mike Johnson had been overseeing uh, basically the police officers that are um, assigned to HSE schools as school resource officers. Mike Johnson retired from the Fishers Police Department and now works full time for the HSE schools. I asked Mike um, the impact of social media on trying to keep schools secure. So there, there's some technology available for us to, to kind of make sure that, you know, our our kids are, you know, staying within the, 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 the boundary, I guess, of, of safety. Um, you know, the, the biggest tool that we have for safety is you know, are our students, right? So... As kids, you know, are starting to head down some of these paths that could be considered dangerous or, or reckless or whatever the, whatever you want whatever term you want to give it, more often than not, we receive information from their peers that, hey, you know, my friend here is, you know, experiencing something, whatever that might be, and so, you know, having the ability or the or the, the, the the relationship built. So that kids are comfortable to let their teachers or their counselors or school resource officers, you know, know when something is coming off the rails. That is really our most effective tool. Um, and I could talk. We could do another podcast on our school resource officers. Those those officers that I've worked with with all for all these years and I continue to work with now in this new job are amazing. And not just. You know, doing the things you would think a school resource officer does, but man, it's about building the relationships with the, with their students. They take ownership in their buildings, and it's not about trailing, nailing, and jailing kids. You know, that's that's nonsense. That's not the the goal of of a school based officer. It's about building relationships and being a resource for them to help them navigate life. And um, you know, having that that student body empowered to let us know when things are of concern. You know, you talk about tools. There's some there's some things we've got, but that's the biggest one. As those of you living in Fishers know, driven by the municipal complex in recent weeks, the old city hall has been demolished and a new one is already under construction. When the announcement was made that there would be a new city hall with an arts center, very pivotal and a big part of that, I talked to Mayor Scott Fadness about how this all came about. Deciding what <clears throat> the city's foremost public building should look like is uh, an interesting exercise because uh, you want to hit the right tone of who we are, who we aspire to be. How does it fit with downtown? Is it practical? Is it functional? Um, those are all kind of big conversations for us as we tried to figure out what is the right fit. And some of the proposals were... Um, exceptionally modern i mean really aggressive uh to the and you know we we find ourselves to be pretty aggressive and, and entrepreneurial but some of them are you know i don't, I don't know if we could yeah, out for you. Yeah, that, that would light up social media talking about that um so yeah it was an interesting uh process to go through 
I would say one of the most important podcasts I recorded in all of 2022 was with Yulia Tolstikov-Mast, a Fisher's resident uh, and born in Russia, brought up largely in Ukraine with ties to Poland as well. When the Russian-Ukrainian war began, she went to Poland and helped out refugees fleeing from Ukraine into Poland. I asked her about what trauma she saw. It was not easy for her to talk about it, but she did the best she could. Um, I'll just give you a few examples. Um, so I was, most of the time I was in Warsaw, it's a capital of, of Poland. Um, and uh, so you, refugees cross the border, uh, they are on buses or trains transported to uh, larger cities and from larger cities. Uh, they can be dispersed to smaller villages or towns. Um, so I was in Warsaw most of the time. And um, uh, yes, I've, I've, I've heard stories. And again, people just, you don't ask them. They just tell you. They want to they, they share. They want the world to know. Uh, there is a little boy, well, uh, uh, teenager actually, uh, 13, uh, who was, um, who told me a story about this interconnection, Russian-Ukrainian interconnection. His mom is Ukrainian, his dad is uh, uh, Russian. They're divorced, dad is in Russia, and when his area, this boy's area uh, was bombed, he called his dad, and he said, dad, this is what's going on, can you hear on the background? Um, and that said, you're lying to me. It's uh, fake news. Mm. And there were other exchanges of words. And after this, the boy said, I don't ever want to see you in my life. Mm. That's, that's tragic. That's yeah. what the boy is telling me. That's mm. not his mom. It's the boy wants, to, wants me to know. Right, he's, that's definitely trauma he will carry for, for many years. Uh, the um, cook from, actually, she was a um, very successful chef in Mariupol. And I met her and her daughter when I worked at the World Central Kitchen, uh, six-hour shift. And she talked to me for six hours. Oh she, was, she wanted to volunteer and help other Ukrainians. And she wanted to be with me to thank me for, uh, for volunteering. And nobody asked her. She just... That was what she wanted. She just wanted to be there to help others. And she was telling me stories of uh, uh, walking uh, among dead bodies and telling her 15-year-old daughter, don't walk, don't look down, mm. look up. They were trying to find food, cell phone coverage. So, and uh, with that, she's, she, she wanted to help as well, right? Mayor Scott Fadness made a very big announcement uh, during 2022. Over a billion dollars, with a B, a billion dollars of development uh, came to Fishers in really just a matter of a few weeks. The Andretti Motorsports headquarters, a large expansion of the Fishers district, more restaurants, retail shops. But a key Part of that is a new events center. Some call it an arena, which will seat 6,500 to 8,500 people, depending on the event. And Mayor Scott Fed has talked to me more about it on the day the announcement was made. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. So we hired an, uh, an architectural firm from uh, New York who actually, they uh, designed these facilities all over the world, and they were actually responsible for the billion-dollar upgrade to Madison Square Gardens. And one of the things I love about the vision for this facility is it's going to have at least 15 to 17 different ways a person could experience uh, uh, something going on there. So whether you're talking about sitting in a suite, whether you're talking about a bunker suite, whether you're talking about uh, a cocktail lounge where you can sit at a high table bar and, and view a concert, or they're even they have these what I would call like family pods where for like my family where I got three little kids and they're all nuts, you know, putting them in a seat is pretty difficult, but there's going to be areas where you can literally have your kids and your family all in one little uh, area. Uh, the point I bring up all that for is this could be anywhere from a hockey game to uh, a Disney on Ice type scenario. It could be a world-class concert coming to this venue, or it could be, frankly, the Fishers HSC basketball game. I worked with the Hamilton East Library and tried to bring in a couple of authors on my podcast who were at speaking engagement at the Hamilton East Library during the year. The first author I had the opportunity to talk with was Kelly Yang. I talked to her in person right before her presentation at the Fisher's Hamilton East Library. She wrote a book called Front Desk. It's a, based on a character much like herself. And she and her parents did run a, a motel in Southern California for a while. And at some point, the young girl, nine years old, was required to work the front desk, something that Kelly Yang had actually done herself. I asked her about working the front desk. Yeah, it's a big responsibility, and it's a little terrifying when anyone can come into basically your house because we were living in the what right behind the front desk. We were living in the manager quarters, which was connected to the front desk. And I remember being kind of terrified at night because um, the motel owner that we were working for, he insisted that we keep checking people in um, at all hours in the night. And so my poor dad had to get up, uh, you know, like three, four, pretty much, I don't think he ever really had a full night's sleep. And I remember waking up just going, oh my God, did something happen in the middle of the night? Um, but for the most part, we, we had very amusing customers. We had wonderful people who stay there by the week. We called them weeklies. Um, and for the most part, it was, it was an, a really interesting adventure. You know, we really bonded with our customers and we became like a little family. The second author I had the chance to speak with as a result of uh, the Hamilton East Library getting me in touch with the author, Jamie Ford. Jamie Ford has several books out and has one that's been uh, creating quite a bit of talk. So I talked to Jamie about all the books he's written in recent years. Yeah, my first three books um, were all historical fiction set in and around Seattle, which is where I'm from. The books are almost uh, you know, my love letters to old Seattle. They go back a little... A little bit in time, so Hotel on the Corner of Bitter Suites in the 40s. My second book is Depression Era, and then the book before that takes place in the early 1900s. Uh, the new book that I have out, which just came out in August, uh, is called The Many Daughters of Afong Moy. It's I call it my big box of crayons because it's uh, it's an evolution for me. So it's historical. It's also speculative. has magical realism. Um, takes place all over the world, as well as Seattle. Um but the, the title character, Afong Moy, was the first Chinese woman to come to America. She came to this country in 1834. And it's a, I gave her fictional descendants all the way into the future. That's a really long description. So 
what I should say, the short description, which um, I actually posted this on Twitter like three days ago, I just described it as it's about inherited trauma and also a love story. And that description seemed to work because 17,000 people pressed like. (laughs) (laughs) So some people relate to trauma and love stories and their interconnectivity. It took me several weeks to get it scheduled because the men were very busy and are very busy, but I wanted to get the mayors of Noblesville and Fishers on the same podcast. Mayor of Noblesville, Chris Jensen, and Mayor of Fishers would be Scott Fadness, and we talked about a number of subjects. But one subject I discussed with them, how could the legislature do a better job of supporting them as they work on economic development? Mayors Jensen and Fadness spoke about that. Absolutely. I'm never going to turn that down. Um, You know, I think locals know best how to um, develop their community. We know what is is needed to get companies and jobs here. We live it every single day. Us mayors, county council members are the ones boots on the ground every single day, understanding what companies need, what our workforce needs, what our residents' needs are. And so I'm, I'm always open and interested in having more tools in the toolbox. And uh, Mayor Fadness, you spent some time at the State House. So uh, how do you, do you think that the legislators are listening to the mayors and the local governments as far as giving you the tools you need to develop economically? No, uh, not necessarily. I think we're still living off kind of an antiquated approach to economic development. It's a one-size-fits-all approach, too, which is kind of difficult because for Chris and I, we might be trying to attract particular industries or Carmel that are very different than, say, Lagodi, Indiana might be, or Elkhart, Indiana might be. But the tools that we're given are one-size-fits-all. Here here are the tools that you're allowed to use. Um, And so I think if given the opportunity, what what we would probably want more than more tools is the flexibility to come up with new ideas. You know, give us some creative license to go do these things, and then maybe we come up with a new idea that could be adopted by others. Um, that that probably a little more room to get creative because we really should be viewed as like laboratories of innovation. Allow us to try some things, and if they work, then we can you know encapsulate that in the rest of the city of Indiana. The final podcast I will feature here on this roundup for 2022 is Carrie Lively. She's the executive director of the Pursuit Institute. Which, is, which deals with all six school systems in Hamilton County, dealing with career and technical education, what, what's once called vocational education. So I just began asking her what the Pursuit Institute is. Uh, the Pursuit Institute is a locally driven uh, initiative to offer career and technical education opportunities to students in Hamilton County. Uh, It was an initiative uh, that was funded by the Hamilton County Council and commissioners um, with the support of the uh, six school superintendents. So this has been a conversation for many years of how we can better prepare our students for the next step, whether that's college or career, and uh, how we can do that closer to home and make this more equitable for all students. Well, thanks for joining me on just uh, a rundown of some of the podcasts that I had the past year. Just want to say there were many other people that appeared on my podcast last year, and I I appreciate every single one. Just for time's sake, 
I chose 10 sets of podcasts to uh, feature in this rundown for 2022. I do expect 2023 to be a very busy year. Uh, We will have a new school board in place and we will have local municipal elections. All elective offices in the city of Fishers will be up for election. Thanks for being a listener to my podcasts over the past year. As we enter the new year, I wish you a good new year and please be safe and be kind.